Hello, I'm Sherry House, a missionary living in Thailand who loves to study the lives of great women of whom it can be said she hath done what she could. Welcome to Silhouettes, my weekly story about a lady whose life challenges, encourages, and teaches me. I hope as you listen today, your heart will be encouraged and challenged too to do what you can for the Lord. So grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let me tell you her story. Helen Rosevere was born on September 21, 1925, in England. She had the privilege of education and went on to study medicine at Cambridge. While studying there, she was befriended by a group of Christians, and she began attending their Bible studies. She found a warmth and vitality in their Christian life, and she was drawn to the fact that they seemed to know God personally. That same winter at one of their Bible retreats, she put her trust and faith in Jesus Christ. After graduating with her doctorate, she applied to Worldwide Evangelization Crusade to be a medical missionary. In March of 1953, at the age of 28, Helen arrived in the Belgian Congo. She worked for two years in a small mud-thatched clinic, and then in 1955 was asked to move seven miles north in order to run an abandoned maternity and leprosy center. Helen worked with the local Africans to transform the center into a hospital with 100 beds that serviced mothers, lepers, and children. She also established a training school for paramedics and oversaw the 48 rural clinics that they established. Tens of thousands of people received medical care and their lives were spared, many of whom also received Christ. In 1958, when Helen was in her early 30s, she went back to England for a two-year furlough. She worked at a hospital to update her skills and contemplated whether she would return to the field. The huge undertaking of setting up and running the medical station had taken its toll on her. In 1960, Helen decided to return to the field. It happened to be the same year that the country was given its independence. Many of the foreigners decided to leave, including many missionaries. Helen decided to stay, but it didn't take long for the country to descend into unrest and instability. By 1964, civil war broke out with the Simba uprising, putting everyone in grave danger. At Helen's remote medical mission, they were unaware that war had come to the country until some rebel soldiers arrived one day, demanding she see to someone who had been hurt. Eventually, Helen and nine other missionaries were put under house arrest. That was the beginning of five long months of captivity. Helen suffered rape and beatings at the hands of the rebels. Helen felt the Lord whisper to her, don't ask why, just trust me. In that moment, Helen couldn't explain it, but she felt enveloped in God's love and in her own words felt an overwhelming sense of privilege that Almighty God would stoop to ask of me, a mere nobody in a forest clearing in the jungles of Africa, for something he needed. Eventually, Helen and the other missionaries were imprisoned in a convent, along with Catholic nuns. In the end, 27 Protestant missionaries were murdered, over 200 foreign nuns were murdered, countless priests lost their lives, and a quarter million Africans died. Helen did what she could while in captivity to stay strong and meet others' needs. Once she found herself sitting next to another woman whose head was split open. She knew she was not allowed to speak or even move, but she also knew that if something wasn't done, this woman would die. She realized she had a needle pinned to the inside of her collar and slowly took it out. Then she asked the lady sitting on her other side to quietly pick out the hem of her dress. Between the two of them, they got the needle threaded, and Helen proceeded to, with one hand and as minimal movement as possible, stitch up the lady's gaping wound. At one point, bloodied and bruised, Helen was taken from the convent to another place in town where there was a group of Greek merchants being held captive. The group numbered about 80 men, women, and children. As Helen was the only doctor, the rebel soldiers brought her to attend to a woman who was about seven months pregnant and in great pain. 
Helen recognized many of the people in the group. She had been their doctor for the past 12 years. She quickly prayed for the Lord to show her what she could do. As she began assessing the woman's situation while she was flanked on either side by a rebel soldier, the Lord gave her a plan. Helen couldn't speak Greek, but she started asking medical questions of the lady in Swahili first and then saying it in Lingala, the local dialect. And then she asked the same question in French and in English and asked those in the room to translate it into Greek. She did this for several questions, but then knowing the two rebel soldiers standing on either side of her could only speak Swahili and Lingala, she eventually stopped using those and carried on in the other languages. The soldiers assumed she was still asking medical questions, but instead Helen began to witness to the group. She reminded them of all the things she had told them before about Jesus and his suffering on the cross. She told them of his love and grace he had wanted to show them. She told them of his desire to give them salvation if they would trust in him. These Greeks had seen and understood that Helen had suffered even more than they had at the hand of the rebel soldiers, and for the first time they were willing to listen to her. As she finished working on the lady, she led the group in a simple sinner's prayer. Although the prisoners dare not speak out, amens were whispered all over the room. Unbeknownst to the rebel soldiers, in that moment, these precious souls had trusted Christ. Helen was finally rescued in 1965 and returned to England. She spent a year recovering from her ordeal, but was eager to return to the people she loved and the place she called home. In 1966, when she arrived back, she found that everything of their mission had been destroyed. Over the next seven years, Helen worked with the Africans, and they built a 250-bed hospital, a maternity ward, training college for doctors, the Center for Leprosy, several regional hospitals and dispensaries, and set up a flying doctor service through the Missionary Aviation Fellowship. In 1973, after 20 years of missionary service, Helen retired from the field. She settled in Northern Ireland, but she wasn't done serving the Lord yet. She became a missions advocate and authored nearly a dozen books. As her story of life on the mission field and how she had endured persecution became more well-known, she began to be in demand for speaking engagements all around the world. Dr. Helen, as she was called, could speak to crowds of a thousand while making each person feel as if she was speaking to them personally, challenging them to trust the Lord, not only for their salvation, but with the trials that life brings. Helen continued to travel around the globe until in her mid-80s. On December 7, 2016, Helen died at the age of 91. The work she did on the mission field and the influence she had around the world continues to inspire, convict, and challenge us. Well, you can find out more about Helen Rosevere on my website, sherryhouse.com, but let me tell you one more story from her life that resonated with one of my own. One of the things that fascinated Helen most about her group of Christian friends at Cambridge was not only that they talked about God as if they knew Him, but they prayed to God as if He would answer their prayers. Over the years, Helen had the opportunity to see the Lord answer many of her prayers, but sometimes even she was surprised. One night, a woman who was in early labor came to Helen's hospital. She was in a bad way, and there wasn't much Helen could do for her. The lady eventually died in childbirth, and Helen felt quite certain the preemie baby wouldn't be far behind her. She sent one of the midwives to fetch a wooden box and blanket and another midwife to fill a hot water bottle so they could try to keep the baby warm. The midwife returned to say that their last hot water bottle had burst while she was filling it. The following midday, as Helen gathered the orphanage children for prayer, as was her habit, she made some suggestions of things that the children could pray for, and she included this little baby. Helen told them of how the water bottle had broken and that they needed to pray that the nurses could keep the baby warm enough so that she would live. She also told them about the baby baby's two-year-old sister, who was also missing her mother that had passed away. During the prayer time, one little ten-year-old girl named Ruth said in a very matter-of-fact way, 
Please, God, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God. The baby'll be dead. So please send it this afternoon. And while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? Helen drew her breath as she heard the boldness of the child's prayer, knowing that in the four years she had lived there, no one had ever sent her a package. And even if they did, they would not likely think to send a hot water bottle to a location so near the equator. Later that afternoon, when Helen was teaching a nursing class, word was sent to her that a package had arrived and was on her doorstep. Helen called for the children to come. As they sat around her, excitement was mounting. She began pulling different items out of the box. There were sweaters, knitted bandages for the leprosy patients, a box of raisins and sultanas, and then there it was, the hot water bottle. Little Ruth jumped up and rushed forward. She began rummaging around in the box, saying, "'If God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly, too.' Sure enough, there was a small, beautifully dressed dolly in the bottom of the box. Ruth was given the privilege of giving the special gift to the little girl. That box had been prepared by Helen's home church and sent to her five months prior to its arrival on the very day it was needed. For years, I've made it a habit to pray specifically. I feel that if I love to meet a specific need or desire that someone has, the Lord must thrill to do this as well. Praying specifically gives him the opportunity to show himself strong on our behalf. One of the biggest issues with missionaries that have to travel home on furlough is what vehicle they're going to use. For me, though, I never worry about the vehicle. You see, I always remind the Lord that he is my husband, and in general, the vehicle and all things pertaining to it are the husband's responsibility. All I ever do is write out a list of exactly what I need, or some may say want, but in my mind, I need, and I wait for the Lord to take care of it. Here is my list from my furlough several years ago. A van, not too old that I can borrow and not have to buy or rent. Cup holders, at least seven, because we all know that this is the most important thing when traveling on the road. Side doors on both sides of the van, GPS, CD player, air conditioner, back seats able to be removed, cubby holes for storage, good tires, no mechanical issues, insurance paid. Listen to that list. Sure, I could have just asked for the Lord to provide me with any old vehicle, and he could have. But instead, he chose to answer every one of my requests. And to top it all off, the van ended up being red, my favorite color. Also, the Lord provided the van through a gentleman in my church who bought this vehicle for me to use while I was on furlough, free of charge, and then told me when I was done with it, I could sell it and keep the money to use towards buying a car on the field. You can't convince me that God doesn't love and delight to answer specific prayers. Today, I'd like us to do a little Bible study I've entitled, Ask Not, Have Not. How many of you ladies would dare to send your husband to the grocery store with the generic request of, can you just get us some food for this week? Absolutely not. You would write out a specific detailed list of the things that you will need that week to feed your family. If you don't, you'll probably end up with seven boxes of cereal, a couple tubs of ice cream, and some expensive steaks. In the days leading up to Christmas or a birthday, you will rarely find a child that says, Mom, you can just get me any old toy. More likely, they'll come to you with a list of things with specific details and a picture of the exact baby doll or truck they'd like, including whatever accessories they feel they need to go with it. As a parent, isn't it more fun to be able to give your child exactly what they are desiring? God is our Heavenly Father. He, too, delights to answer our requests. Some people feel it is better to pray in generalities. This way, they won't be disappointed. I feel sorry for people who feel this way. They have a weak faith, which is evidence that they feel they have a weak God. 
I don't know about you, but my God is not weak. He is strong and capable of anything. Not only is God powerful enough to answer any prayer, the Bible gives us many examples of how he delights to answer specific prayers. Hannah prayed not just for a child, but specifically for a son. Elisha prayed not just that his servant wouldn't be scared in the face of the enemy, but that God would open his eyes and let him see the truth of the heavenly soldiers protecting them. In this same story, we see Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he, talking about God, smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. God listened and answered Elisha's specific prayer. Jesus also gave us a perfect example of his wanting to answer specific prayers when he was here on earth. In Mark 10, verses 46 through 52, we see the story of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was walking near Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus was in his usual spot begging. When Bartimaeus knew it was Jesus who was passing by, he called out to him and said, Have mercy on me. Jesus responded with, What will ye that I shall do unto you? You see, Jesus was looking for a more specific prayer request, not a general request of, Have mercy on me. I mean, what did that prayer request actually mean? Maybe he needed Jesus to show him mercy by giving him some food to eat. Maybe he needed Jesus to show him mercy by sending him a friend who would care for him. But Jesus was fishing to see what the man was really asking of him. Whatever response Bartimaeus gave to Jesus' request of, What will ye that I shall do unto you? would show the faith that Bartimaeus had in Jesus and in his power to answer his request. The Bible tells us Bartimaeus answered, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus answered his specific request and healed his blindness. When the crowd saw it, they gave praise unto God. Our specific prayers not only encourage and strengthen our faith, they strengthen the faith of others. If the bulk of your prayers are made up with generalities like, please bless my day, please bless our nation, please help my kids to be good, please keep my family safe, how will you ever know when or if God has answered your prayers? I challenge you to try to pray more specifically. Make a list. Write it down. Make sure that for the most part the things you pray for can be crossed off so that you can know when God has answered them. Give God a chance to show himself real in your life. Give yourself the blessing of trusting that the Lord hears your prayers and is willing to answer them. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's silhouette and learning a little bit more about Helen Rosevere and this matter of praying specifically. She truly was a woman of whom it could be said she hath done what she could. Let's you and I go do what we can do. Silhouettes with Sherry is written and told by missionary Sherry House. To learn more about Sherry, this story, or other stories about women who were used of God, read Sherry's blog at sherryhouse.com. That's S-H-A-R-I house.com. Silhouettes can be heard at this time every week on this station. Silhouettes is a Causeway Media and Faith Music Radio production. Редактор